Hi, and welcome to Bethlehem's podcast online version of the Sunday morning sermon. I'm Paul Steele. I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Church. Now, we've been going through the story. Now, the story is an abridged version of the Bible, and we're using the story for two purposes. First, we want to understand the great scope or the great themes of the Bible, because we believe that the better we understand what the Bible is about, what God is calling us to do and to be, the better we understand who we are and our purpose in this world. We also want to use the the story to develop in our lives the habit of regularly reading our Bibles. We believe that the Bible is God's gift to us. It's his word to us, and we want to be good stewards of that. And one way we are able to be good stewards of God's word is to regularly read it, uh, meditate on it, think about it, study it, and then hopefully apply it to our lives. Today we are covering chapter 7 of the story, The Battle Begins. And, uh, and And that takes us through basically the entire book of Joshua. Now, I want you to think about pivotal moments or pivotal times in your life. A pivotal year that I had was the year 2009. Now, in in 2008, I broke up with a longtime girlfriend, a a person that I thought uh, I was going to marry, and it was very close to asking her to to marry me. And that relationship came to an end and really kind of threw threw me for a loop. And and I struggled uh, for for a long time. As 2008 gave way to 2009, I, I planned two events that year that I hoped would kind of help get my life back on track. And the first was uh, going to Wild at Heart Boot Camp in uh, in Winter, Winterset, Fraser, Colorado. So I, I I was living in Storm Lake, Iowa at the time. I drove down to uh, Omaha at end of April and hopped on the train in Omaha and took the train out. And from the train station, it was about a seven-mile walk out to the Christian camp where this where the boot camp was being held at. And I thought, because my brother and a friend of his had done it a few years before that, uh, that, and this is what happened to them, that, that somewhere along the line, somebody would hey, offer me a ride all uh, the rest of the way, but nobody did. I saw all these cars go by me and nobody stopped. Hey, you want a ride? And, uh, and so I walked that seven miles there. Uh, I had a decent time there, but I got a, a terrible headache, and I never get headaches, and or hardly ever. And it was hard for me to focus and to, and to concentrate. And the train ride back, I just had all these these negative uh, thoughts, and just it just was not what I had hoped or I planned for it to be. The second event. Uh, was going back out to Colorado, actually uh, out past Glenwood Springs, uh, to do some hiking. 
my family had uh, lived in uh, had lived in Rifle, Colorado, for a few years, and we'd gone back there several times on vacation, so I knew the area a little bit. And so I I planned three different hikes while I was out there, and and none of the three hikes panned out. The first one. Uh, I couldn't even find it was a, a a a trail that led up to a to a old abandoned mine near a Christian camp the Christian camp that we attended and I got the directions from my dad and I'm like I just could never never locate the trail. Uh, the second one was uh, out past uh, through uh, Rifle Canyon and and uh, I got there and, and started down the trail and. And I, I had my dog Barkley. We were walking it, and I noticed, man, it's getting dark. And so, just maybe a half a mile in, we turned around and got back to the car. We started off. It was a beautiful day, probably around 80 degrees. We got back to the car. It was already down to 60 degrees. And by the time we were driving through the park, it was hailing. So. Uh, got back and just feel it back to the camp and just kind of felt defeated. And then the last one, uh, I'm kind of new to hiking at this point, and it was just a, a short trail. It was three miles long, and Barkley and I walked three miles all the time. So, so we thought I thought, oh, we can do this. And I didn't bring any water with us, and we'd been going up, up, up. We it was hot day the the sun was pounding on us and after a while we just turned around and came back didn't even finish it because i was thirsty and i was tired and i didn't know how much longer this would go these events didn't go as i had hoped but they were still pivotal and god used them and to speak to me and 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 i look back on both of them fondly. And that's kind of where we find ourselves with Israel at this point in the story. They're at the gates of the promised land. They're at this pivotal time in their life and their relationship with God. What are they going to do? How is this going to go for them? But let's remember where we've been, right? We, we started with creation and Genesis, that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens on the earth, and that God created human beings in his image. In other words, God created us to bear his image, to, to be his representatives, to demonstrate his character in this world. But for us to do that, we have to be connected to God. He has, we have to have his life flowing through us. We have to be informed by his wisdom, his love, in order to truly be his representatives in this world. And instead, humans have decided, starting with Adam and Eve, that we are going to define good and evil on our own, that we're going to rely on our wisdom and and so sin comes in and it severs that connection we need with God to truly be his representatives. And then we see that life just spirals out of control where sin and death and evil just take over. And you have God 
cleansing the world through the flood and starting over with Noah and then things from Noah go from bad to worse and you end up with this Tower of Babel incident where God scatters all the nations of the world. But in the very next chapter, right, this is a pivotal thing. This is, this is foundational to understanding what God is doing in this world. God calls this man named Abraham and he makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to do this for one reason, because through you and your descendants, I'm going to bless all the other nations of the world. God hasn't given up on human beings being his image bearers, demonstrating his character, ruling in this world with his love and grace and compassion and wisdom. He is going to restore humankind in his image. And so through Abraham, he brings the son a promise of Isaac. And Isaac has the son of Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. And from there, God builds this nation. And through Jacob's son, Joseph, he, he secures a safe place, Egypt, for Israel to grow into this nation. And at the right time, while they were slaves in Egypt, God raises up a leader named Moses to lead them out. And he does, and he leads them to Sinai. And Sinai, God makes a covenant with his, with this people of Israel. He is setting them apart to be a light among the nations, to prepare them for what he is going to do and how he is going to bless the nations of the world. Israel is to be God's representative in this world to demonstrate to the to the nations what God who God is and what he is like they are to be a nation of priests God makes this covenant with them and he gives them the terms of the covenant say for you to be my people you have to live this way and they don't and God establishes this sacrificial system where when in their sin that they can come back and God renews them into the covenant. Well, they get to the promised land, right? And they decide, oh, we can't do this. And so God once again sends them out into the desert for 40 years to help them learn to trust him, to become the people he wants them to be. And that's where we are. They're back at the entrance of the promised land. And as we look through the book of, of Joshua, we see it divided into four parts. First, you have the renewal of the covenant. So what happens is Moses dies. Joshua becomes the leader of Israel. They, they enter into the promised land as God stops up the Jordan River and they cross on dry ground. They, they scout out the land and they get ready to, to fight for and, and conquer this land. But before they do, they renew their covenant with God. They celebrate the feast. They read the books of the law. Then there's this curious encounter Joshua has with the angel of the Lord. And 
Joshua asks him, whose side are you on? Are you on our enemy's side? Are you on our side? And the angel of the Lord tells Joshua, I'm on neither side. See, it would seem like uh, logically that, hey, Israel is God's chosen people. God would be on Israel's side. No, no. Israel is to be on God's side. See, Israel isn't in the position where they try to manipulate God to do what they want. No, they are to do, they are to align themselves with God. And I think that's a very important word for us today. That we often want to see and ask God to bless us in our positions, to be on our side. And God is calling to us and he's reminding us that we need to be on his side. So God renews the covenant with Israel. Israel renews their covenant with God. And then we move into this time of the conquering of the land, uh, chapter 6 through 12. And it starts off with, with three instances where, where they uh, gain control of the land. First is, is doing this weird thing of marching around the town of Jericho and the walls coming down. The second is the defeat at Ai, where because of Achan's sin and taking some of the plunder from Jericho, which God had set aside and said, don't touch, he disobeyed Achan. Again, we see this theme of doing what is right in his eyes, defining good and evil for himself, which causes tragedy and, and, and defeat for Israel. And once that sin is dealt with, again, they experience victory. See, God is setting up this plan or this, this uh, is setting things up so that Israel remembers that when they live in obedience, when their lives are aligned to God's, they experience the success. They experience the promise of God. And the third instance is this town of Gibeon. Uh, they, they see what's happening, and so they deceitfully come to Israel and make a treaty, make a covenant with them. And now, once they realize they were deceived, God says, hey, you've made this covenant. You keep it. You keep this covenant. And so that's what they did. And the rest of these chapters span years of fighting for the conquest of the promised land, just in these few chapters. Finally, in, uh, in chapters 13 through 22, is this boring section of Joshua dividing up the land. Now, we find this boring, but we need to remember that in these chapters, we're seeing the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel. Israel is getting the land. These tribes are getting what was promised to them. And then in, verse, in chapters 23 and 24, we have these, this farewell address, these farewell speeches from Joshua to Israel, encourage them, encouraging them to remain faithful to God. So what can we learn about being God's people from this book of Joshua, from the example of Israel moving in to the promised land? Well, first of all, we learn that we need to be people of the book. We need to be people of the book. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. 
Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be you will be prosperous and successful. God is telling Joshua, hey, for you to be a leader, you need to be committed to my word. You need to know this book of the law. You need to apply it. You need to understand it. You need to meditate it. Let it be a part of who you are and what you do. That's what we need to do. We need to take the time to know, to read, to study, to meditate on God's word so that it becomes a part of us. Joshua chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. This is after, uh, after the destruction of the conquering of uh, Ai. Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and curses, just as it was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children, the aliens who lived among them. See, after what had happened with Ai, with the defeat, with the sin of Achan and the success, Joshua has to remind Israel of what God had said. He needed to remind them of the law and the promises associated with it. And then the curses that is so that come from not listening and not obeying. And then Joshua chapter 23. So way at the end of the book, Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. Verse 6. Be strong, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. For us to obey the law, for us to obey God's will, we need to know it. It needs to, uh, to be a part of our lives. We need to be people of the book. We need to be people of prayer. Joshua chapter 1 Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to jo Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. God said to Joshua. Oftentimes when it comes to prayer, we think about giving God a list of things. We're, we're, we're monologuing to God. But prayer is ultimately a conversation with God. And, and that means in our times of prayer, we need to make room for silence to allow God to speak to us. It's one of the reasons why prayer and scripture reading go hand in hand, because God speaks through his word. Yeah, God speaks in other ways. He's, he, he, he'll bring things to mind. He'll, he'll speak through, through the world around us. He'll speak through our dreams. But God primarily speaks through his word. And for us to be able to hear him, we need to be, we need to have scripture as part of our life. So prayer is about listening to God. Joshua chapter 7, verses 7 through uh, 9. Now this it happen, happens after the defeat at Ai. And they're wondering, what in the world is happening? And Joshua does this. And Joshua said, oh, sovereign Lord, why 
Did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If we only had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan, oh Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe us out. They will wipe out our name from the earth. What then will we do for your own great name? What then will you do for your own great name? So Joshua is like confused. Why in the world is this happening? We've been defeated. Now this is going to embolden the people who are living here, people who were in fear because of what you have done, because of what happened at Jericho. Now they're going to say, hey, we can defeat these people. What are you going to do? And sometimes we just need to cry out to God in prayer and ask God to reveal to us what's going on, to ask God for his wisdom, to help bring clarity and discernment into our lives because we just don't know. We don't have the information we need to make the right decisions. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, now, Israel is having success in their conquest, in their battle. And then Joshua prays this. On the, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still, still over Gibeon. O, sun, o moon, over the valley of Ayalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. Joshua wanted to make sure that they finished what they had started, and yet they didn't have time to. So God, so Joshua asked God to do the impossible, to make time stand still. And that sometimes is what our prayer is. We can't do something. We don't have what it takes. We don't have the strength. So we're asking God to do what we can't. We're praying and pleading to him to do the impossible. Because we realize that God's strength, that God's power is greater than what we have. So we can learn about being God's people from the book of Joshua, that we need to be people of God's word, people of the book. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to be people who are identified with God. We need to be people who are identified with God. Joshua chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Now this is why he did so. All the those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but the people born in the desert during the journey of Egypt had not. God had given Israel this practice of circumcision to remind them that they and their descendants were his people. And while they were wandering in the wilderness, they hadn't kept up with this practice. And so they needed to do this, to identify themselves with God once again before they took the land. They needed to be identified with God. And then in Joshua chapter 24, this is probably the most famous, well-known part of Joshua, maybe outside of the story of Jericho. Joshua chapter 24, verses 15 
through 14 through 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Here we see Joshua making this firm commitment that no matter what other people do, no matter what happens, they are going to serve the Lord. And if we're going to be identified with God, we need to make a similar commitment that we are not going to be sucked into our culture. We are not going to let that influence who we are, but we are making this stand, this decision, this commitment today that we are going to serve the Lord, that we are God's people that even if the United States of America falls and we are conquered by another nation, we are still going to serve the Lord. We are committed to him. That's who we are. Yeah, that is how we are identified with God. We make that commitment. We make that declaration. See, Israel had to continually over and over again, choose to be on God's side. They had to make that practice of reading God's word and, uh, and, and, and applying it to their lives. They had to continually, time and time again, offer sacrifices and prayers to God. And they had to choose who were they going to worship? The gods of these people, the gods of their forefathers, or were they going to wor worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had to make that decision. And we have to continually, every day, choose and commit to be on God's side. So our time of prayer response right now, because when we come to God's word, it's important that we take time to apply it, to respond to it. And there's no better way to do that than through prayer. So as we go through this time, as we come to this time of prayer response, let's first start by thanking God for guiding us. Just take a moment and thank God for guiding us there, for bringing us here to this moment. Let's ask God to prepare us for the task at hand. Whatever task is before you, ask God to help prepare you for it, to equip you to accomplish it. Let's make this declaration, this commitment that we are going to be on God's side. Our Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you for guiding our lives, for leading us to Jesus and, and bringing us to this point. Father, we trust you 
that you are going to continue to lead us, to continue to give us wisdom, continue to give us discernment so that we can truly live as your people. Father, we ask that you would prepare us, equip us to do the work that you've set before us. May we be filled with your spirit so that we can truly demonstrate your character to bear your image in this world. And Lord, we, we declare that no matter what happens, we are your people. We are committed to you. Father, that's my prayer for Bethlehem, that you would unite us together around this simple commitment that we will be your people. I would pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here's our big idea this week. God's people need to continue to choose to follow him. No matter what happens, we choose. We are committed to God. Even if that leads to persecution and death, we are committed to him. So our challenge this week is to read chapter 8 of the story, A Few Good Men and Women. And then during your time of prayer this week, I, uh, I challenge you to ask God for guidance on a choice you may be facing or a difficulty you may have. Ask God to give you wisdom and the right way to handle those situations. Remember, the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what God is doing through Jesus to restore his creation and bring you and me back so that we can truly bear his image and demonstrate his character in this world. Hey, have a wonderful week. Continue to follow Jesus. God bless.